0: Welcome to episode 23 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, we're continuing in our series on women of the Bible with the very famous, but often I would say misunderstood, Mary Magdalene. So today we're actually going to talk about just the first part of how she shows up in the Bible, up into the resurrection of Jesus. And next week with episode 24, we'll go ahead and look at how she interacts with Jesus when he is resurrected from the dead. So that will also be exciting, but there's so much to learn about her. And it's so interesting to me how many rumors and like weird stuff has been made up about her. So today we're just going to get to the facts of what we actually really know about Mary Magdalene. Let's go ahead and get started. Hey millennial, welcome to the revival podcast for millennial women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Katherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture, beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to learn more about Mary Magdalene. Thank you so much for how you use women, how you love women, how much they show up in the Bible, Even in a time when it would seem that women would not show up at all, you have stories of women all over the place, and I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for what miracles you did in her life. I thank you that she was able to be a witness to Jesus and that we can know more about who Jesus is because of his interactions with her and how she followed him. I pray that today, as we look more into her story, that you would be glorified and amplified and that we would be praising your name and drawing all of our attention to you. We love you, Lord, and I pray that you would speak through me today and that it would not be my voice and my words coming out, but your own. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought today we'd actually start with some background on Mary and then get into the verses that talk about her. Again, we're going to be excluding the ones about the resurrection because those are worth their own episode. So I just wanted to say first that she is actually mentioned over 12 times in the New Testament. She is mentioned in all four of the Gospels, and the Gospels are actually the first four books of the New Testament, and they're all about the story of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. So she is mentioned by name in all four Gospels. And some of them tell the same stories about her. Some of them are a little different. Some of them have new information that aren't in any of the other Gospels. So it just varies. Also, there are a ton of Marys in the New Testament. I mentioned this back with the Mary of Bethany episode. And it's actually because it was just a very common name in Jewish culture for women at that time period. And so we'll see even more Marys that we haven't talked about yet on this podcast mentioned today. So we've talked about Mary of Bethany in the past, and today we're talking about Mary Magdalene. There are two different women, and there are, like I said, even more Marys than that. I thought we would talk about what Magdalene means. It's probably not her last name. (laughs) Um, It doesn't seem likely after doing some digging and, and learning more about what Magdalene could mean. To me, the two most likely explanations is that either it refers to the place where she's from or it might be a qualifier to her name in the same way that Jesus used to refer to Peter as the rock. It could be kind of like a qualifier or a nickname to her name, or it could be a reference to a place where she's from. There was one other explanation that I found too that I'll mention in just a second. But I went back to Margaret Moscow, who has a degree in theology, and she also has a master's degree with a specialization in early Christian and Jewish studies. And she said on her blog, quote, since Magdala means tower, watchtower, or fortress in Aramaic, a nickname meaning tower may indicate that Mary was a particularly tall or a strong woman, end quote. Like I said, it could actually be a reference to kind of like a nickname. And so if it meant tower, that would be a really cool nickname. I like that one a lot. Um, There was one other explanation on her website. To me, it seemed very unlikely, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But she does mention that Thomas McDaniel was quoting other people. And he said that the the word translated as Magdalene could mean plaited hair. The words were not super similar. So this is kind of a jump. It's kind of a stretch, which was common for prostitutes to have their hair plaited or braided which is one of the few reasons that people think she could have been a prostitute. Now, I don't think that that one, just based on what was on Margaret Moscow's website, seemed very likely to me, but I thought I'd mention it since it was there. I will definitely link the article in the show notes, so if you want to learn more about that explanation, have at it. Now, I think it's important that we do also address that so many people think she was a prostitute – Another reason that people think that is because in the passage right before it talks about Mary Magdalene which is in Luke 8. So at the end of Luke 7 there's this woman who is anointing Jesus's feet with oil. And I know like in my mind the first place I go with this is oh Mary of Bethany she anointed Jesus's feet with oil and yes she did. But The account of Mary of Bethany doing that does not match up with the details of the one happening in Luke seven and the one in Luke seven, the woman is not mentioned by name and we don't know much about her. So it's probably not Mary of Bethany. It just doesn't seem like the same incident happening. If you want to learn more about that, you can go listen to the Mary of Bethany episode, which was in episode 20. The woman though, who is anointing Jesus's feet with oil, who is not named in Luke seven, is identified as a sinner. Now, because she was identified as a sinner, people have made the jump that this woman must have been a prostitute. Friends, there are so many things wrong with that assumption. First, a woman who is anointing Jesus' feet and called a sinner does not mean she was a prostitute. Maybe she was a prostitute, but just assuming that she's a prostitute just because a woman is called a sinner really bothers me. I think that there's like a weird connection between, oh, if women are sinning, it must be some kind of sexual sin. So I really didn't like that kind of jump. And then secondly, she, this woman in Luke seven, who's anointing Jesus feet, she is never identified as Mary in the Bible. It's never said that that's her name. Her name is not mentioned at all. And so if you want to read more about how this mistake in thinking that Mary Magdalene is this woman And if you want to learn more about why it is that people think this woman in Luke 7 is a prostitute and then for some reason associate that with Mary Magdalene and calling her a prostitute, I will again uh, link an article in the show notes from Moscow where you can learn more about that. Basically, it has to do with the Pope making a mistake like a super long time ago, not the current Pope. And because of that, people associate them and they're not the same person, these two women, based on the fact that the woman is not named. And... Also, neither of them seem to be a prostitute. So this whole like association of Mary Magdalene with prostitution is a huge logical jump because we actually know why Mary Magdalene was a follower of Jesus. And it's not because Jesus forgave her sins of prostitution. Um, It's actually for a different reason. And it's said explicitly in the Bible. So I don't, I just don't really see the, that connection there. I don't find that convincing to think that she's a prostitute. I'm not even going to get into all the weird stuff about her having a child with Jesus. I think all of that is made up and has been discredited by real biblical scholars. I also wanted to just say that when it comes to sexual sins, the Bible's not really shy about calling them out. Like, I mentioned this before and I'll probably have to mention again, but the Bible will usually explicitly say when sex is involved. It will usually say That so-and-so had, you know, sexual relationships or knew or laid with or whatever, this other person. Like, that's mentioned a lot. It's not usually hidden. And even Rahab, who we covered in a previous episode, she's referred to as a prostitute every time, pretty much, she's mentioned in the Bible. She's called Rahab the prostitute. So I just think that if Mary Magdalene or this other woman who is um, anointing Jesus' feet in Luke 7, I just think that... They would be called prostitutes if they were, or former prostitutes, and they're not. So I'm just going to go with that. All right, we dealt with all that kind of stuff. Now, with this in mind, let's get into what the Bible actually says about her. And we're going to go ahead and talk also about what we can learn about Jesus through her story. And so today we're going to look at four different passages, and each one comes from a different gospel. So we'll get a glimpse at all four gospels today. And I will give you a little context of each passage and then I will read the passage to you and we'll talk about our conclusions afterwards. All right, our first passage is going to come from Luke 8. This one happens chronologically first in the timeline of what's going on in the Gospels, So we'll do this one first. The context here is that Jesus has just been doing miracles. He's been healing people and the story of the woman who anointed him with oil happens right before this one, like I just mentioned. And he tells that woman to go in peace. So I don't know if she left, but it sounds like he was sending her away after the whole scene had occurred. Luke 8, starting in verse 1. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So that's it, three verses out of Luke. The next passage is from Matthew 27. The context here is that Jesus has just been crucified on the cross and has just died. So starting in verse 50. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. Okay, that was for context. Now this is the part about Mary Magdalene, verse 55. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching." Now, this part here is actually the same story that's told in Mark, same context as before Jesus has just been crucified. So Mark 15, starting in verse 40. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. This all happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. As evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Joseph was an honored member of the High Council, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph he could have the body. Joseph bought a long sheet of linen cloth. Then he took Jesus' body down from the cross, wrapped it in the cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone in front of the entrance. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where Jesus' body was laid. Last passage is from John 10, same context as before. Verse 25. Standing near the cross, Were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. All right, that's it, except for the accounts of Mary um, seeing Jesus after his resurrection. Based on those four passages, what are the attributes of Mary Magdalene? What can we learn about her? Well, first, she was rescued by Jesus. It says that Jesus cured her of seven demons. In Luke 8, it says, Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. That's all we know about her being cured. That's all we know about her healing story. But we know that Jesus personally cast out seven demons from her. And I know that the number seven is pretty significant in scripture. I didn't do too deep of a dive on why that is, but I did note that a lot of sources that I was reading were saying that that number seven actually indicates completion or fullness. So the fact that it was seven demons could indicate that Mary Magdalene was completely controlled by the demons, like they had her fully possessed. I don't know that for sure, but that is something that a lot of commentators were mentioning And we do know that as a result, she followed him. She was rescued by Jesus. Lovely. Secondly, we know she was a devoted disciple of Jesus. First of all, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Very simply, that's what it means. And here she is following Jesus around during his ministry. He's going around spreading the good news about the kingdom of God, how it's come to earth. I mean, the good news is that he's the savior of the world and she follows him. In that process, she provides for him and she goes along with the other disciples and other women did so too, which is really cool. And she follows the body of Jesus after he died. She actually is there at the crucifixion and she takes the time to follow, to see where Joseph is going to bury Jesus so that she can know where he is, which is really important to what's going to be episode 24, talking about her interaction with Jesus after the resurrection. She had to know where he was. And from Matthew 27, verse 57, I'm going to read it again. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body, and Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. So she actually followed him and watched what was going to happen to Jesus's body. And I think that that's really beautiful because she wanted to see where the body was laid. She wanted to know where her Lord was going to be. And we actually are going to see that she is going to come back to the tomb later. Third point, she cared for Jesus, actually took care of Jesus. She takes care of his financial needs, so she must have some kind of resources of her own. I don't know how she made her money. There's a lot of speculation on her background. I don't want to get into that, but she definitely had her own resources, which wasn't always that common for women, and she used them to support Jesus. It says in Luke 8, soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So she puts her faith and her devotion to Jesus into action. She actually provides for his financial needs so that he can continue his ministry And this was really important. You know, Jesus had human needs. He had to be able to eat. He needed clothing. He needed shelter. She's described as caring for Jesus. What a beautiful way to be described. After she's cured of these seven demons, she uses her newfound freedom, who she is, the fact that she has control over herself once again. She uses this new life to devote herself to her savior, the one who literally healed her from oppression. And she responds to that by following him, learning from him, and caring for his physical needs. Number four, and I say this in a slightly sassy way, but she did not abandon Jesus at the cross. It seems, based on biblical accounts, that most of Jesus' disciples were not at the cross, that they had kind of abandoned him in his hour of need. We know that John was there based on the passage I read before about how he was Um, He was directly talked to when Jesus was on the cross by Jesus, but women did not abandon him. They actually followed him. And it wasn't just Mary Magdalene. It was several other women, Jesus's mom, other Marys. They followed him and they watched his crucifixion. That must have been incredibly painful to watch, to watch their savior, the one who had healed them, the one who they knew had come to redeem the world, their Messiah, their Christ the promised savior of the world. They saw him crucified and they stood there and they watched that. That must have been heartbreaking to watch and they did it, which is incredible. That shows me a lot of strength to be able to watch that. I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. Probably not. They didn't leave him. They didn't leave him. And actually then Mary, another Mary, followed him. They watched his crucifixion And Mary took the time to find out where his body would be buried. And this was important because she actually came back later to give Jesus a proper burial. And we'll talk about that more next week. This all comes from John 10, verse 25. Standing near the cross were Jesus's mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. They were watching. They were there. Mary followed to find out where Jesus would be buried. And she used that knowledge to continue to take care of him even after his death. She never abandons Jesus because he never abandoned her. We know about Mary Magdalene, more glimpses into her. Now, what do these verses about her actually tell us about Jesus, most importantly here? Well, first, Jesus is our great healer. He healed her. He was able to exercise, get rid of those seven demons that were tormenting her, possessing her, taking control of her. If you read other accounts of demon possession over the Bible, demons do all kinds of horrible things. They throw people in fire. They cause people to say horrible things. They torture people and have them commit harm against themselves. And they isolate people from the rest of their families. And it's just so painful that she was living with that for so long. But Jesus heals her. And he continues to be our great healer today. Whatever you need healing for, pain, abuse, uh, physical ailments, spiritual abuse, whatever it is that's in your past or present or future, Jesus is our healer. He went around in his earthly ministry caring for the practical physical needs of the people around him. He healed people. He continues to do so today. He meets people's really real physical immediate needs. He does more than that too, obviously, but he did go around meeting the needs of people and he commonly healed women. When society at that time, their culture would have turned women away, would have said you need to be an outcast because of the ailment that you have, or because of the sin in your past. Jesus saw women, loved them, accepted them, healed them, taught them, redeemed them. Secondly, Jesus allowed for female disciples. Again, a disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. She definitely followed Jesus. She went around to the towns that he went to. He allowed her to support him and meet his human needs through her financial support. Remember, all funds, all resources, everything ultimately belong to God and he allowed her to take care of him while he was on earth. He allowed her, and a lot of other women it seems, to be female disciples. We also see this again with Mary of Bethany, which I covered on a previous episode. She learned at the feet of Jesus. Women can be learners of Jesus, and we should. We can learn so much about such a a gracious, loving, healing, merciful, powerful Gentle, humble Savior. Last and third, Jesus is our Savior. In the context for most of these scenes, Jesus is on the cross. What is he doing on the cross? He is taking on the sins of the world. Every sin that separates us from God was placed upon Jesus. He took that sin, he took that wrath, he took that punishment upon himself. He died. And then he defeated death by coming again in the resurrection, which we'll talk about next episode. The veil was torn and there's nothing separating us from God now. There, There's no sin there when we believe in Jesus and we repent of our sins. Jesus is the covering, the offering, the sacrifice for us that we can have full access to God, that we can have a right relationship with God. And Jesus is worth us giving our lives to follow him. Mary gave up whatever future she wanted to maybe have now that she was free so that she could follow Jesus. What more worthy thing is there to do with our lives than to follow the man, the God who has saved us from our sins in a way that we never could be able to save ourselves. Praise God. All right, to summarize, Mary, she was rescued by Jesus. He cured her of seven demons. She was a devoted disciple of Jesus, she cared for Jesus' needs, and she did not abandon Jesus at the cross. And what can we learn about Jesus? That he is our great healer, that he allowed for female disciples, and that he, most importantly, is our Savior. God, thank you so much that you sent us Jesus, your Son, to save us humans that you love so much, you were willing to make such an incredible sacrifice for. We thank you, God. Let the reality of that sacrifice wash over us. Let us sit here in awe and gratitude for you. We love you, Lord. I pray that you would meet us where we're at and help us to devote our lives to following you and learning more about you, as Mary did. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining. I'll chat with you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the revival podcast for millennial women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that my friends blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.